Welcome back to the Press On Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Jeff. And here at the Press On Podcast, we are undergoing some changes. And life is full of changes, is it not? That's going to be the topic of our talk today. Um, we are right back in the saddle after having a small hiatus. Uh, again, it won't really reflect in the schedule of episodes released because we have a backlog of, of quite a few episodes. Um, but we're, we're back recording after about two weeks. Uh, our first go at it, it was very interesting. Uh, very free form. I'm not sure if it'll be a, in a an actual episode or bonus content, um, but I think there was a lot of good stuff in it, and so we're we're still dealing with the ramifications of this new style of podcasting we're doing. I think what we did at first um, had some good stuff in it, but it, it felt a little stilted at times. A little, uh, it wasn't quite the conversational uh, tone. That I was really that we were really going for when we yeah. first established. I think it was a little bit over controlled, probably. It was, it was, and, but now, but now, as we as we said before recording, we've gone from over controlled to maybe under controlled and unprepared. So we're, chill, we're, we're, we're excuse me, we're still trying to produce something that is beneficial, biblical, but also also good to listen to, well produced and, and high quality, and so. Please bear with us as we as we go through these changes. Uh, as I said, changes are hard. Uh, I'm going through, or I will be going through, a very positive change. I was hired at a new job, so I'm working the two weeks at the the job that gave me all the good material for how not <laughs> to hate your job, and I'm, I'm moving to one that uh, it has far better hours. Um, I think a lot less stress, uh, more opportunities to work on this podcast, to spend time with uh, family and friends and with my my lovely wife. Um, so it's a positive change, but change is always hard. And I and I and I go back to the the Jews when when Jesus was in his ministry, and and how negatively the leadership reacted to him. And I gotta and I gotta say, while of course they're being ridiculous, the, the Pharisees and the the Sadducees and the and the scribes and, and all of them. And while obviously they are completely dead wrong what they did. I can understand where they were coming from. They were, they were a part of the status quo. It, anytime anyone is a part of the status quo, it's going to be hard to change. But it, it's especially difficult when you most benefit from the status quo. Um, and I think in, in my life, when I, when I think about the, the relative comfort and luxury that I live in, and I think about the kind of changes I might have to make down the road in order to be more pleasing to God, you know the status quo at the at the present moment very much benefits me, and so it's very hard for me to consider breaking the status quo. Uh, it, you know, it, it, if I were if I had the opportunity to go overseas and do a work, would I do that or would I would I would I refuse to change? Would I refuse that call because I'm more comfortable here? You think about Abraham, who was told by God to leave his land, to leave everything he'd ever known, his family, friends, and to and to go to a land that he didn't even know about. I mean, you, you talk about um, change on a massive scale, and not even knowing where you're going. And so we want to talk today today about changes and how we deal with changes. And so, um, as I often like to do, because uh, sometimes I don't quite know where to take my thoughts, but when I pass it off to Jeffrey, he usually introduces something that's that's easy to to, to grapple to grapple onto. So, Jeffrey, changes. What what comes to your mind? You know, it's funny that you were talking about changes kind of implied that we have a say in, like we have a choice, uh, a job change, moving to a location, 
starting a different kind of work, um, retiring, so many things in our lives that affect our day-to-day decisions, buying a new car, you, you name it, we have a say-so in those types of changes. But I'll tell you the kind of change that I think is so hard for us to maintain a positive and a godly outlook on are the changes that happens to us where we have no say mm-hmm. in those changes. We have no say in the bringing about of those things in our life that won't be the same. Do you think that's why Peter was so vehement when he pulled Jesus aside and said, Lord, it will never be like this? Because when, when Christ was talking about how he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and be crucified, that, that, that is a change of the most catastrophic kind in Peter's mind, because in Peter's mind, this is the Christ. And, and, and the idea that the Christ is to die would have been earth-shattering for mm-hmm. Peter. And so, and so we see that might have been his reasoning for doing something as presumptuous. Because, again, in Peter's mind, this is the Christ. And so somehow in Peter's mind, he thought it was okay to pull aside Jesus. Or, or was this before or after his profession that Jesus was the Christ? I might be, I might be completely wrong there. Because I know the two events are actually are actually pretty close together. Peter's confession, and then and then that episode where he where he pulled Christ aside and tells him that he's not going to go and die. Uh, I do believe that was before. Okay, if I'm not mistaken. But but either way, if, if if it was before or after, Peter still realized that that Jesus is special and that Jesus is more important than he is, and so. Obviously, something in Peter's mind told him it, that he had to pull Jesus aside and say, it, it, you can't do this. Because for Jesus to follow through with, with the crucifixion, would have, again, would have been a catastrophic change in, in Peter's life and in Peter's worldview. And whenever we're confronted with that kind of a cataclysmic change, and like you said, when it's something we can't control, we often react in ways that are childish, violent, um, irrational, I mean, we, we fight tooth and nail in order to keep the status quo and in order to keep things from changing. And that can be a real struggle for someone who's considering to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. That's the single biggest change anyone can make in their entire lives. And because as, as humans, we are sometimes so adept at staying where we are and so contrary to changing, it can be a real struggle for, for someone who wants to make that change to, to get out of their own way, as it were, in order to make that step. And so... Uh, we need to be really careful that we're not prohibiting our own growth and we're not prohibiting ourselves from the things that would benefit us the most just because they would require a change. I, 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 I probably took up five minutes there, but that's because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. I hate change. I don't like changing the, the, the type of shampoo I use. That's how, that's how ingrained I am in my own ways. Uh, I'm, I, and I think about what Jesus said about the new, new, uh, wine and old wineskins. A change has got to be made. Uh, there's this great book um, that actually your father-in-law uh, um, gave to me called Who Moved My Cheese? Which is this little parable about about the power of, of change and how scary it is, but how necessary it is uh, for growth and for achieving things higher than yourself. Um, and so I think I think this is a worthwhile topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Um, because whether or not we accept it, it happens to us. Um, it, it, nope. <laughs> I mean, your, your hair color can change. You have no say so in that. I mean, obviously, see, and, and that's kind of where we come in because we, we try to cover it up. We try to mask and, Ooh, and, and blur change right. to fit what we see as the right change or the, the right way for things to play out. But the truth of the matter is, 
we really have no say so in some of these things. Yeah, um, and so I think some of the interesting things are is uh, knowing when a change must be made mm-hmm. and knowing when it's time for us to accept change. And I think those are two very distinct things and two, two really distinct areas of our life that we face a lot of temptation in because we tend, like we talked about, we tend to resist and fight it as much as we can um, for comfort's sake, for just what we're used to. Because like we're, we're, we're used to things we're familiar right, with. Right, because you know? change will often necessitate us being taken from a place where we're well taken care of. And, and, there, and during that transition time, our lives are going to be made infinitely, infinitely more uncomfortable while we're in that transition phase. I, I, I think back to the children of Israel when they're, when they're freed from captivity. And as soon as things get tough for them, they say, why did you bring us out of Egypt? We, just, we want to go back. Our lives were better there. Forgetting, of course, that they were in bondage and that Pharaoh was, was horrible to them. That's how we are with, with change. As soon as things get uncomfortable, we want to go back to that position we were in. No matter how difficult or no matter how hard that previous situation was, and no matter how detrimental it was to us, we just want to go back. I, I think that's also the problem with the one-talent servant. I, I, I've referred to him probably 20 times by now. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning again, to, to have gone out and to have bought and sold with his master's money would have necessitated a change in his thinking and a change in his routine. This, uh, the implication of the story is that this was a special occasion. The master you know, was going away, and he, he gave the servants a, a, a task that probably was, was rather different from any task they had been given before. Um, again, it's not, that's not explicitly said in the parable, but that's kind of the implication there, at least to me, as I read it. And so the servant would have had to have changed something about his routine, about his way of thinking, about his way of doing business. Maybe he was the kind of guy who really wasn't a savvy businessman, but he had to change his thinking and change his, his approach to things in order to to be a faithful servant. And, and he was unwilling to make that change because it made him uncomfortable. He even said himself, I was afraid. He was afraid to take the leap and make the change and, and was punished for it. And I think when we, you know, and and I think now, what what's a better name for change than repentance? Isn't that what repentance is? changing one's mind, changing the trajectory of one's life. That's why repenting of our sins is so difficult. Because sin, like anything, or like any other habit, is something that's ingrained to us, and we're comfortable with it. And, and, and we'd rather hold on to it than do the hard work of giving it up and adapting a new lifestyle. Um, so those are just things I, that I kind of think about when I think of change. Yeah, part of what you said um, affects us in more ways than we, we tend to realize. And that is when you said even of things that are detrimental to us, physically harming ourselves. Uh, you think about drug addiction, you think about alcohol addiction. Or people who stay in abusive relationships. Abusive relationships, pornography, I mean, you name it. Things that are knowingly, and it's not like we, we, we know these things, they, they may or may not be hurtful to us. Like it's proven, it decays our bodies, it destroys our bodies, it, it corrupts our minds. And yet, how many times do we see, and, and by the way, we're not making light of these things. These things are terribly sad right. uh, and upsetting because no, we don't want to see anybody in that state. Uh, and even people of the world understand that. People of the world grieve when they see people who overcome and become sober, and yet sometime later they fall back into that particular addiction mm-hmm. uh, and, and just see the self-harm, and even, even to the point where people die from it. And that's just that's horrible. And isn't sin the ultimate addiction? That, that's, that's the ultimate high. That's absolutely it, and uh, 
and, and it's no surprise why so many God-fearing apostles and writers of the New Testament speak to the fleeting and passing pleasures of sin. Things and, and notice they don't deny the pleasure part of it. You know, you well, that's know, a good point. you know, you and I would probably if like we really wanted to frame up a good argument. We just say like it, there's there's no pleasure in it, but 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 they don't lie to us. They say they they are passing passing pleasures, mm-hmm. which which explains that they know that there is satisfaction that we can find in those things. But but the point is, it goes away. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can fulfill you except those things that are with God. God is the only one who can truly fulfill our lives, and, and even then. We're no, we will never see the true fulfillment until, ironically enough, we're not alive. Right. Until we're with God. That is the only point of which our complete existence will be made complete by God. And is when we come home and be with Him forever. And don't we hate that because we're essentially being told we have to wait our entire lives. Absolutely. We don't like that. To, thought, to find fulfillment. And, 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 and there is some fulfillment to be had here on earth. I mean, there is a joy to be had. There, there are blessings and you know, we're, we're told in Scripture, you know, it's okay to um, enjoy good days, um, but but we don't like delayed gratification, especially especially in our in our modern culture. And I know we use that term "modern culture" as kind of this big boogeyman that we attribute all of our all of our struggles to. Um, but we are affected by our culture, and at, at, in a culture that is as pros- that is the most prosperous that mankind has ever seen, that is the most interconnected. That man has ever seen with with you know mass communications. We're going to be affected by this culture probably to a greater extent than anyone has ever been affected by another culture in the entirety of human existence because we we have more access to what this culture and to what the society has to offer. And so when we're inundated with that, we we do adopt we do fashion ourselves according to the mindset of this world, and we like everything quick and convenient. I mean. I mean, my goodness, we have we have we have services where you can download an app, order food, and someone brings the food to you. You don't even have to, you don't even have to go out to to the fast food restaurant anymore. The fast food restaurant will come to you. Everything is centered around catering to us, and and that's why we don't we don't understand the idea of self denial of bearing of of bearing our cross, denying the self, following Jesus, and waiting until the end of our lives for full satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And so I guess as we've kind of been going on about this idea of change, uh, talking about the struggles that we have and, and that just exist uh, in, in us humans, um, one of the things I'd like for, for us to do, and, and Josh has got the passage that kind of came to his mind, and again, this isn't super structured either. This is an idea that we kind of had. Especially um, since I don't know the passage you're referring to. Yeah. Well, you told me it earlier, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Oh, um, is this first? But excuse me, first Thessalonians. We're keeping that in. I think that was pretty funny. Uh, is it that one, or is it? I think it said Acts fifteen. Acts fifteen. Yes, yes, yes. Now we were talking about uh, major times of change within the early mm-hmm. Christians. Yeah. And, then, uh, and and what's neat is we have pressure points, if you will. Yeah, we we have lots of those recorded for us. Um, but kind of leading up to this, and before we kind of kind of read and, and kind of kind of close up on. Uh, this particular episode, but uh, whether that change is diseases, if it's cancer, if it's a, it's a diagnosis of something um, that, that you really had no say in, those things are difficult and we sympathize with that. Um, and but, but most importantly, God sympathize, sympathize, I can't even talk, sympathizes with that He's as well. For it. Um, which is why he calls for us to go to the rock that is higher than I. Mm-hmm. 
we're able to approach someone who is greater with our everyday mundane struggles that seem so small when you think of the grand scheme of things. And but we're especially to be like that ourselves to be steadfast, mm-hmm. immovable, to, to hold on to the anchor which is our faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. No. Um, and, and and but maybe you're dealing with changes that uh, you've chosen. Maybe it is a new job. Josh can relate with you. I can relate to you. Uh, maybe it's it's a new place you're moving to. Maybe you had to pull your kids out of school and, and put them in a new mm-hmm. school system. That kind of thing is for a kid that can be tough. It is it's 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 so hard for the children to, to leave their friends and leave an environment that they feel comfortable in and move, and, and we expect them to learn and be engaged and almost simultaneously, immediately, in this new environment. And, and, and us as, as, I call ourselves adults, we don't always act like them, but, <laughs> but we're, by government standards, we are adults. Yeah, we do have to pay our taxes. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, we, we, we see the, the difficulty in that because if, if that were ourselves, we have such a hard time trying to adjust to that. We say all this just to, to, to reason with whatever situation you're dealing with that involves change and that God does care. Uh, and, and He opens His arms and He, he invites us to, to bring these things to Him. Let, let Him help us. And what a thought that is, that God cares enough to want to help us with our changes in our problems and in our, our difficulties. And what I want to convey to anyone uh, who listens to this, what I want to convey to anyone listening to this who may not be a Christian and who is contemplating that kind of change or, or maybe who who hasn't been contemplating it, but maybe now they are, we understand that becoming a Christian is going to be a, a big change. It necessitates that and that repentance of sins is a big change and it can seem scary and it can it can seem at first like it's it's actually putting you in a worse position than you were before. It can appear that way, but we hope that we've encouraged you to think of change in, in, a, in a different way. And that as as this episode comes to a close, we reaffirm that that change does does not have to be bad. And in fact, if you talk to the most successful people in the world, I'm talking about just people successful, even just on a worldly basis, businessmen, athletes. They will all attest to the fact that if you're staying stationary and you're staying stagnant and you're not growing, then you're dying. And we're just we just want to apply that same principle because it's not something that those businessmen or athletes or, or other gurus came up with. That's something that God implanted into us as humans. He implanted into us this sense that if we're not moving, then we're dying. If we're not growing, then we're dying. It's it's a fundamental aspect of our human nature that unfortunately we have we have minimized and and tried to kill yeah, really put in a negative light yeah because because we would rather trade growth and glory for comfort and leisure what's funny about what you just said is do, do you know by the way and all of you listening what the number one or the, the top two things that are required for success are do you have, I don't, do you have any guesses number one is failure mm-hmm. number two is adaptation mm. and a, a shorter simpler word for adaptation is what change mm-hmm. uh, and that's change that we see we, we endure a, a hardship a trial of failure uh, we see the areas and by the way this is what God speaks to through Peter in his letter of first Peter when you go through fiery trials deal with difficult things have to face difficult changes whether that's family members, your friends, your social group, your social media. I mean, you know, we, we kind of joke about this sometimes, but for a lot of people, that's a really big deal. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, their their social media networking mm-hmm. is, is such a critical part of our culture today. Um, but those things are completely necessary for us to grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for those of you who may be feeling like that's you, um, you're not alone in that because we, we've all failed. We've all had to change and adapt, um, especially when we're talking about spiritual things, and especially when we're talking about uh, temptations that we face, and, and when we give into those and we commit sins, uh, we, we fail. And yet God offers us a path to where we can be made right, number one. Number two, we can adapt and change our life uh, so that we can remove those temptations from us, but not necessarily always remove them, but we can overcome them. Uh, we can find that way of escape. And so uh, we hope we, we have, we have, we know we haven't covered everything, but we hope we've covered enough to where no matter where you are dealing with change in a spiritual sense and a physical sense, no matter how difficult or, or how minute it might seem, um, that you know, first of all, we care about it. We care about you and we'd love to hear about it and we'd love to pray for you and talk to you about whatever you're struggling with, and if you need help, please let us know. Uh, but most importantly, that God cares. And, and that's part of the entire reason that we have the gospel, because Jesus came to help people. And can I give a, a, a kind of a personal um, example? You know, a year ago, I decided to make a big change and move here to Coleman. I'm not originally from here. I, I was living in Orlando um, for about a year before I moved here. Uh, and I had great friends there, a, a great you know, church family. And things were going very, very well for me. I had a, I had a good paying job, a good cushy office job. and uh, But I had been long distance dating my now wife, Rebecca. And it came to a point where in order for the relationship to progress or in order for me to know if it could progress, I had to, I had to make a change and I had to, I had to make that move. And so I left my job. I didn't have a job lined up when I came up here. I left my friends. Um, I immediately moved in. With, with, with Jeff, who I did not know at the time. Um, I only know, knew that he was friends with Rebecca, at that moment, but that's it. And so I was moving to a new city with no job, no friends. Rebecca was the only person I had any kind of connection with. And that was, and that was scary at first. And it was, um, it was exciting because I could sense that this was a new step in our, uh, step in, in our relationship, myself and my wife. Um, but it was hard and it was difficult. But now, uh, a year in, I'm married. Uh, me and Jeff are now very good friends, hosting a podcast. We have a very good friend group here. Um, I consider myself to be part of a, a, a wonderful church family, and uh, and things are are better. If I had stayed where I was, I would have. Who knows what would have happened? I I mean, I probably never would have gotten married. The relationship would have fizzled out. Um, and yeah, I had some great things going on there, but you know, I still have those friends. We're still in contact, but I gained. You have new friends as well, and so you never know what's going to happen when, when you make the change. And that's not to say that it's always going to turn out for the better. Sometimes a change will happen, and you will you know turn out for the worse. Think about think about Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he he had everything going for him, and then one day, Christ disturbed his life. And, and isn't that how we sometimes think about? It? We sometimes we think God disturbs our lives, like we have everything. All of our ducks lined up in a row. Everything's going great. We got the job we want. We got the social circle we want. And then we we come across something. We come across a scenario where we know the truth and we have to act on it and we have to make the change. And following the truth, like in Paul's case, made his physical life much much worse. He lost everything. And, and but in the end, he counted it but garbage mm-hmm. for the rubbish, sake of yeah. yeah, rubbish for the sake of Christ. And so. 
Sometimes the change will be for the better, but sometimes the change will be at least temporarily for the worse. Your life might get, I mean, you might become a Christian and you might lose the love and respect of your parents, your spouse, your kids. You might lose a job because you're not willing to work Sunday nights or Sunday Sundays uh, or Wednesday nights. You might lose everything. But as you alluded to earlier, Jeffrey, we need to look to the ultimate reward. That the the ultimate, and, and we think about change in a negative light, but let's talk about the, the greatest change ever. That our bodies will be changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ's glory. And that the ultimate change, we will, we will move from this fallen world with all these difficulties, and we're going to make a move to the heavenly home. I mean, that's about as big and as, and as you know, cosmic of a change as possible, going from this earth to heaven, from, from, from death to life, from flesh to spirit. But that change is the change worth, worth making every other change for. Mm-hmm. And so here at the end, we don't want to take too much more of your time. Now that I've taken up way too much of it. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. But um, So maybe your change hasn't resolved. God gives us a piece of advice. Really, God gives us an example uh, of how we can deal with change. Say, for example, you were one of the first disciples of Jesus. You had seen, uh, you had heard this boy, even from a young age, teaching in the temple. And say you're one of those guys in the temple that remember Jesus teaching. You're like, wow, he has such great knowledge. And being around Bethlehem as he grew up, being around the surrounding areas, knowing his, him and his family, and then start to hear about the things he was teaching. And you followed him. You saw the miracles. You saw the great teachings. You saw him referring to the Father as greater than himself. Things that no one would ever say. Yet he was saying it all. As one who had authority. And and as one who was of God himself. And then you follow him to Gethsemane. He is beaten. He is mocked. He is made fun of. He is spit on. Anything that you could imagine that would be degrading and offensive to a person, it was done to him. And even worse. He's crucified, and you watch them put him in a tomb and roll this giant stone in front of it. And you're probably thinking to yourself, this is the end. What now? This is probably the end. And if that would, would have been you, you're not alone, because many of the, the, the disciples scattered. Really, they scattered when he was arrested, but he comes and appears. He's resurrected. As, as amazing as all those things were, Maybe there's still a little bit doubt in your mind. Like, can this really be for real? And that's where we kind of find ourselves in Acts chapter 1. Jesus has told them that there's going to be one coming, that he will not be residing here forever, but he would send a helper. That he would have to return to the Father and he would come back. Things are going to have to change. Oh, I can't, I can't stay around. Because if, if it were up to the early apostles, they, they would have wanted Jesus to stay around forever. Absolutely. And... They had come together in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And they asked him, Lord, would you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So, so they thought this was it. Were you now restored the kingdom of Israel? Like, you've done everything you said you would do. Is it time for us to finally be conquerors? And he said to them, Is it not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And as they were still gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Can you find yourself with these men? You put your entire trust in a job, in a situation, in a person, and they leave. And they're gone. And I kind of take it to be this is one of those situations where you did, you did, you, you knew they weren't coming back immediately. Mm-hmm. And you're standing there looking up. What do we do now, Josh? You want to know what we do in moments like this when we're dealing with such drastic change? Verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. And Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Josh, how do we deal with change? We surround ourselves first with people who are conscious and zealous for what God would have us to do. That's number one. And number two, devote yourself to prayer. Because the end of the matter is this. We don't have all the answers. But God does. That's how we deal with change. Yeah, we had another passage of of Scripture lined up, but um, I think we're going to cap it there. I think that's a a beautiful way to end it. I think it's a beautiful thought to end on. I, I think I think that's great. I, I want I want to end it here before I ruin it. Not that not that the passage of scripture would ruin it. There's nothing wrong with scripture, but I don't know if I could add another point onto what Jeffrey already said. So um, this is the Press On podcast. I'm Josh, and I'm Jeff, and thank you for joining us.